everything from the Zohar. It's really, really short. So if you saw it. So I decided to do a little bit from the actual portion in the Bible. So verse 2 starts with Moses spoke to the heads hello, of the tribes of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing that Hashem has commanded. If a man takes the vow to Hashem or swears an oath to establish a prohibition upon himself, he shall not des desecrate his word according to whatever comes from his mouth shall he do. So that's the first verse of the portion. So what are we talking about? Basically, in this week's portion, Moses talks to the heads of the tribes and he speaks to them about vows. Now, I don't know if any of you saw the newsletter, but what we explained in the newsletter is that the word vows in Hebrew is called nedil. I don't have a board. It's N-E-D-E-R. And the Bible discusses that making vows is very dangerous because once you vow something, it's already happened. So once you make a promise, it's already happened. And you're getting energy and you're getting, um, you're getting energy, you're getting acknowledgement for something that you haven't manifested yet. Once you make a vow, it's as if you promised, it's as if it has happened. So if you don't keep it, it's as if half of you is still there. Half of you is still in that place where you made the vow. So you made the vow three months ago, you made a promise. We're not going to call it a vow because that sounds very... You made a promise three months ago and you didn't keep it. Half of you is still there and half of you is in the present because the words that come out of our mouth are so important and so real. And you have to think, do you promise too much to your friends? Do you overpromise at work? Do you promise your kids? Do you promise your spouse? And why do we promise? We need to think about that. Because once we say something, we've manifested it on a certain level. And so once you say, I'm going to do something, and you don't do it, it's as if you're taking away from yourself. And the only time we can do the cancellation of the vows, if you've been with us ever for Rosh Hashanah, is the day before Rosh Hashanah, we do canceling of the vows. Why? Because it's not enough that you go to somebody and say, listen, I'm sorry I didn't keep my promise. It's not enough. You actually have to go in front of what we call a, a court, which is three men, that there's a whole procedure that goes on, and you need to take a list. You actually need to sit down and take a list of everything from Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah that you didn't keep. And then that's canceled. But that doesn't mean you can do it next year again. You know, it's not like confession, you go to booth and that's it, it's done. It's very, very, very serious. So, because the mouth, if you think about it, once we say something, what does the mouth represent? The mouth represents malchut. What is malchut? Everything that's manifested in our life. Everything that's manifested in our life comes through our mouth. Once you say something, it's happened. And if you don't act upon it, then you're taking away energy from the other person and you're sort of slicing yourself into pieces. And we take it really lightly. Oh, yes, I'll do this. Oh, yes, I'll call this person. Oh, yes, I'm we don't even think about it. And most of the time, we don't do it because we don't take our words seriously. 
We don't understand when we say we're going to do something. That's why it's better not to promise. Don't say anything. Better not to say anything than to say I'm going to do it when you know that you can't do it. Like I remember, um, I'm the best at it. I'm the best at promising and not keeping it. So I think when my son was, my middle son, who's a Virgo, was probably three or four, I promised him to have a birthday party at Build-A-Bear. I never did it because it's like ridiculously, does everybody know what Build-A-Bear is? Okay, it's ridiculously expensive. It's like $50 for a stuffed bear. And if you take a whole class, it's $50 time. So I never did it. Many, many years later, he must have been 11 or 12. He's like, you promised me Build-A-Bear. I said to him, but you're 12. Do you want Build-A-Bear now? He's like, no, but you promised. And I thought about it. And I was like, you know, it's not that kids, you know, we promise things, especially to kids. And we think they're going to forget. And we think it's not a problem. But it's a problem for us. It's not a problem for them. It's a problem that the minute you say something and you don't keep it, you're creating a black hole. And the more you promise and the more you don't keep, the more you're taking away from yourself. And you're sucking energy from the other person. Why? Because what happens when you promise something to another person? How do they react? They get happy. Exactly. They're happy. So they're already fulfilled. You've already gotten the energy that you fulfilled them, but you actually did nothing. So in reality, you've left them energy and you've sucked energy from them. So why do we promise things and we don't keep them? Because we want the love now. We want instant fulfillment. We want instant gratification. We want the love now. We want the acknowledgement now. We want the energy now. And it's not something that we even did. We didn't do it yet, but we're going to promise. We're going to promise that we did it. So I, I want to just, I'll tell you a story in a minute, but I want to make sure that you understand the thing of the vows is that the problem with, with all of us, including myself, is that we like to talk. We like to talk. We like to promise. But actually doing something about it is extremely hard. All of us, we're all in it together. All of us do it. And I don't know if you've ever heard the saying that um, the people who are quick to talk don't act. And people who actually do don't talk about it. Because if you're going to do something, why do you need to talk about it? You don't need to talk about it. If you're going to do something, you do it and that's it. It's over. If you need to talk about it, so you're already setting yourself up for not doing it, but you want the energy. You want the love. You want the, the acknowledgement. You want the, wow, she's going to do this. And I know a lot of people. I know somebody, and I've learned to, like, I've, I've learned to, to accept it because I'm, I also do it. So she, I, she always, along the years, she's always promised things. I'll do this for you, and I'll do this for you, and I'll do this for you. And in the end, I said, you know, why are you even saying it? You know you're not going to do it. I know you're not going to do it. Don't say it. I love you anyway. You don't have to say it. You don't have to promise me that you're going to do something. And if you're going to do it, don't tell me. Tell me when it's done. After you've done it, after it's taken care of, after you've manifested it, after it went well, then talk about it. Then talk about it. But if you're talking about it before, if you're saying you're going to do something, and most of the time when we say we're going to do something, it's because either we want to calm somebody down, we want to prove something about ourselves, we want to please somebody, 
we want to make sure that they think well of us, but we don't do it. And it's not that we're set out not to do it from the beginning. None of us are bad people. It's not like we're, we're, we promise something and we know already we're not going to do it. We promise it because we really want to do it, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, and that's where it's important not to promise anything. If you want to make someone happy, do it. Tell them it was done, they'll be happy. If you tell them before, it's because you wanted that energy before. And where does that come from? It comes from a place of lack. It comes from, I need someone to acknowledge that I'm here. I need someone to acknowledge that I exist. I need energy. I need love. It's better to go to someone and say, listen, I'm not feeling love today. Can you give me a hug? That's better than saying, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this, and you'll see. No. Why? You know you're not going to do it. So just to make sure that we keep in mind that everything we say, everything that comes out of our mouth has energy. Everything that comes out of our mouth, we're manifesting. And there's no such thing as I didn't mean it. It's not about the words. If you said it, you meant it. And if you don't want to own it, that's a whole different story. But if you said it, you meant it. And that's why when you promise, when you make a vow, that's why it's so important. That's why it's nedil, and that's why you can't just go to a person and say, I'm sorry. That's not enough to cancel the vows. And why Rosh Hashanah? Because Rosh Hashanah is the day that we're all judged. Rosh Hashanah is the day that we're actually fighting the angel of death. And we don't want to get to Rosh Hashanah empty. We don't want to get to Rosh Hashanah without energy. So that's why the day before, actually the morning before, we do the cancellation of the vows. Because we need to come and we need to be honest with ourselves. What did we promise and to who that we didn't keep? And to say, you know, I promised this person and this person this. I promised this person and I didn't keep it. Better not to promise. Better not to promise. So I want to tell you a story that I found here. Um, it's about a storekeeper. And uh, a storekeeper who came from a small town to a big city in order to buy a lot of goods. This is from a long time ago. And he went into a wholesaler's uh, store, which he used a lot. And he ordered the merchandise that he needed. And after the wholesaler gave him the bill, the storekeeper asked if he could pay afterwards because he didn't have the money and he couldn't do it right now, but as soon as he got it, he would do it. And the wholesaler said to him, listen, I can't do it. I can't give you the goods without the money. And he says, you know, I checked my records and you keep doing it. You keep saying that you're going to pay and you don't. And it's happened more than once. You know, when something happens more than once, it's not a mistake. Think about it. Mistakes, it's fine. We all make mistakes. When we make the same mistake more than once, it's not a mistake. It's a pattern. And it's because we're comfortable. You know, it says that, Rav Ashlag says that if no human being does something that he doesn't benefit from, including everything, including addiction, including drugs, including all the negative things we do that we know are bad for us, but we do them anyway. Why do we do them? Because it's more comfortable. 
Most of the time we do them because it's more comfortable to do that than to confront what we need to confront. Most of the time it's easier to um, keep on with the addiction than actually say I have a problem. So no human being does anything without getting something from it. And we have to think because a lot of times it seems weird to us. But I can tell you I promise things all the time. Why do I promise? Because I want to get the energy now. We're all human. All of us do it. Or I'm not going to have the chocolate cake. I need to lose 10 pounds. Right? Every day. Every day, every single day after the bite of the chocolate cake. But we enjoyed the chocolate cake. So if you enjoy the chocolate cake, eat the chocolate cake. Don't say, I'm not going to do it again. Because you are. You're going to do it again. And own up to it. Don't say, okay, I'm going to go on a diet now. And I'm all those things, we have to be careful of what we say. So what happens? So the storekeeper says to him, um, the, the, the wholesaler says, listen, I can't trust you anymore. You haven't paid any of your debt. So the storekeeper starts begging and he starts pleading and he tells them, you know, he's not guilty of what he's saying and it's not true and he needs to check his records and you know things happened beyond his control and there were circumstances and he tells him you know I promise I'll pay you as soon as I have the money and the wholesaler is tired and you know he runs him down and he says you know okay so he couldn't take it anymore and he agreed to give him everything he needed the nearby sellers all the people there that are walking by they're gathering around and they're hearing this. And they're telling him, don't sell him anything. Don't sell him anything without the storekeeper giving you money. And they said his words can't be taken literally. And his promise is in no way a promise. Because a number of times we've sent the merchandise and he didn't even pay for the shipping. He didn't pay for anything. So you can't give him even an ounce of the merchandise without paying. And while they were standing around and arguing, another store owner came over. And he heard what was going on. And he turned to the storekeeper and said, listen to me. I'll give you some advice that will help you settle all of this argument. He says, why do you need to buy such a big amount of merchandise all at once? And then make yourself get into this huge debt, this huge amount of money that you're not going to be able to pay back. And you're not going to know what to do with it. If you take whatever you can afford and then pay for the, what you can, and then you sell it, you come back, you get more. And whatever you can sell, you pay for it. And slowly, slowly, you'll be able to get everything you need, and you'll pay for it. So everyone heard the man's advice. And the storekeeper, the storekeeper from the small town only took what he needed, what he could afford, with the money he had, and he went home. He sold the merchandise, he came back to buy more from the wholesaler, and he did this a few times until he made enough money to stand on his own two feet and actually pay everything back. And this is how it is in our spiritual work. This is exactly how it is in our spiritual work. One day we wake up and say, I want to change everything about myself, right? We wake up and we say, I want to change everything. You know, I'm this, I'm not doing this, and I'm not doing this, and I'm not doing this. I want to change everything. But how many times can we do actually change everything? 
If we take one thing a year, promise you will change. One thing a year. Because little by little, if you take one thing a year, you can change. But what do we want to do? We want to say, I want to change everything right away because we want everything right away. We want all the energy, we want all the love, we want all the acknowledgement. We want everyone to know, not that, not that we, so it's not even that we want to change right away. It's we tell everybody, I'm working on myself, I need to change this, and I need to change this. And then what do we become? Oh my gosh, the poor girl, she's working on herself spiritually and she needs to, so we are getting energy. We're getting energy right away. Instead, the right way is to slowly, slowly take one thing at a time and slowly, slowly work on that one thing, whatever it is. And really now before Rosh Hashanah, I think we have nine weeks left or eight and a half weeks. It's scary. I think we have eight and a half weeks left. One thing, but that one thing has to be something that affects other people. So it's not going on a diet, and it's not going to the gym, and it's not eating less, and it's not, it's, it's what can I take upon myself? I need to lose weight also, we all do it. It's what do I need to take upon myself that will benefit other human beings around me that I need to change? What can I do differently that will benefit other people? Because just to say I need to change because it'll benefit you, it doesn't help anything. That's between you and the creator. But what do you need to change to make yourself better so that it won't affect other people in a negative way and it will affect people in a positive way? Actually, take a minute. Take a minute, you can talk to each other. Take a minute and think, what do you need to change? Take more than a minute. What do you wanna change in yourself that will help other people in the world, in the world, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your circle of friends. What is it? Take a couple of minutes. You can talk to each other also if you want. Good. Did you get something that repeated? Uh, nine out of 11. Oh boy. The same. And it was the last thing I thought of. Okay. What was that? Well, we'll cut it out. Don't worry. You can say it. We won't leave it on, on camera. I promise. <laughs> they can't see you. <laughs> well, I thought mine was patience. No. No, you have patience. Really? Mine was. It looks better, right? Told you. Okay. Let's go back to the portion, write it down for yourselves. Whatever it is that you think you need to change, that can benefit other people. Okay, and so now we're gonna go to verse 13 in the portion. And it says, Moses, Eleazar the Kohen, and all the leaders of the assembly went out to meet them outside the camp. Moses was angry with the commanders of the army. 
the officers of the thousands and the officers of the hundreds who came from the legion of the battle. So they had just come back from war. They had gone to war with Midian. They just came back from the war. Moses said to them, did you let every female live? Behold, it was they who caused the children of Israel by the word of Bil'am to commit a betrayal against Hashem regarding the matter of Peol, and the plague occurred in the assembly of Hashem. What are we talking about? So what happened? They came back from war, and Moses was angry. Why was he angry? Because when the Israelites went to war, they brought back all the spoils of war, and everything they brought back had black magic in it. What happened? What's black magic? So there's two different kinds of black magic. There's black magic where you remove all the energy from something so it's empty and it's sucked away of all its energy. And you have to be careful because there are people like that that can suck all your energy and you're left with nothing. That's black magic. And <laughs> the other type is something that has its energy removed and is infused with negative energy for a certain purpose. So what happened there? And the truth is that today there's not a lot of black magic. Not, not really, really black magic. There's more the kind of where someone can suck all your energy and you're left with nothing. That happens a lot and you need to be careful of that. Um, typical, that huh? Is that intentional? Yes, yes. They, they know they're doing it. They, they might not want to admit that they're doing it, but they know they're doing it. Um, and there's, you know, the typical things of actual true black magic is a piece of hair or a picture or something that has the person's essence in it, a piece of clothes. You have to be careful what disappears from your house. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. Anything that, that's attached or has some kind of, you know, connection with the person. So the Midian women who were brought and captured back to the Israelites' camp were not regular women. They had black magic. And Moses was angry for them, to, for, was angry at the Israelites because they, he knew that they had black magic. And so there's two things. One, he was mad at them. The second thing is the anger. So yes, Moses was still a human being, even though he was on a, such a high level. But anger is one of the most dangerous things we can have. It says that when a person gets angry, they lose every positive thing they've ever done in their life. And they have to start all over again. When you feel anger or project anger? It's the same thing. At some point, it's going to come out. When you feel angry and you can't transform it, at some point, it's going to come out. And when it comes out, because suppressing anger, it's, it doesn't change it. It just suppresses it. At some point, it's going to come out or you're going to get sick, one or the other. And when we're angry, it's one of the worst things we can do. Because really, we start from zero. It's as if a, your soul leaves your body and a different negative entity comes in. And then you have to start all over again. So even though they did something, even though if someone does something to you, that is, they're absolutely right. And they're 
they're absolutely right and they're angry doesn't mean it's okay. So even if you get angry at someone because they did something wrong and you're right and they hurt your feelings and they did something offensive and they stole from you and they, whatever it was, anger is definitely not the answer. Definitely not. And I think Eliyahu last week spoke about it or on Shabbat he said something about we need to love our enemies. We need to appreciate our enemies because why? Because without them, we wouldn't push ourselves to be better. We wouldn't push ourselves to our next level. So we have to be careful with anger. Any questions? Okay, so now chapter 32, verse 1. It goes on, the story goes on, and it says, The children of Reuben and the children of God had abundant livestock, very great. They saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilad, and behold, the place was a place for livestock. The children of God and the children of Reuben came and said to Moses, to Eleazar Kohen, and to the leaders of the assembly, saying, Atarot and Dibon and Jazer and Nimra and Cheshbon and Elah and Sibam and Nebo and Be'on, the land that Hashem smote before the assembly of Israel. It is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. They said, If we have found favor in your eyes, let this land be given to your servants as a heritage. Do not bring us across the Jordan. So they didn't want to go into the land of Israel. This was two and a half tribes that right before they were going to go into the land of Israel, they said, you know what, it's too hard. We don't want to go in. Jordan, Jordan of today, where Jordan is today, there is plenty of land there for our livestock. We're comfortable. What is this all about? So... In order to understand why they didn't go into the land and why they didn't want to go, we have to go back to the beginning. And we have to go back to the story of Jacob. Jacob was deceived by his father-in-law, right? He wanted to marry Rachel. He worked for seven years. Instead of marrying Rachel, what happened? He married Leah, right? He married the sister. <coughs> Jacob was a righteous man, and he, in his mind, had chosen Rachel to be the mother of Joseph. What happened? He actually was with Leah, and when he realized that he was with Leah, and when Leah got pregnant and had a boy, what was his name? Reuven. In Hebrew, Reuven means, look, it's a boy, which means he, it wasn't even in his mind, that wasn't his meditation. His meditation was to bring Joseph. So he wasn't aware that he was with Leah, and in his mind, he was with Rachel, which was a kind of betrayal. So that was the tribe of Ulven. Remember, there were two and a half tribes. It was Ulven, Gad, and you'll see, you'll see the third one. Now, why did he call him Ulven? And, and this is also a portion where we talk about the name of your soul. There's a whole... Um, understanding and a belief that, you know, we all have English names, and that's fine. English names, doesn't matter. The name of your soul is usually a name that is connected to a high, righteous person. And it's very important, because if the name of your soul doesn't fit you, it can hurt you. It can make you stuck in relationships. It can make you stuck in abundance. It can make you stuck in health. Now, don't everybody want to change their name? 
That's, that's like a cop out. It's not gonna, now I'm gonna change my name and now everything's gonna be fine. No, but if you, really feel, if you really feel that you're not connected to your name or you don't have a Hebrew name, you were never given a Hebrew name or your parents named you after somebody, that's the worst. Why? Huh? Because why? Because none of, I mean, in respect to everybody's relatives, none of our relatives were righteous people. They all had problems. Yes? They all had problems. And if they're not alive, they all were sick. They all passed away. Once you give someone that name, you're giving them that energy. So if you're called on the name of your great-grandmother who passed away and she was sick from who knows what, you have that energy. And that's why we give names from the Bible, not because we're religious, but because these were chariots of energy. These were souls that we can't even imagine. Even if you read the stories and it sounds like nothing, these were chariots that you can't even imagine how high they were. And they did their jobs, they did whatever they did so that we wouldn't have to do it. And that's why Ruven, look at the boy, it's like, oh my gosh, where did this come from? You know, it wasn't in his meditation, he didn't even think about it. So it was a betrayal and that's why they couldn't go in. The second son, God, which means betrayed, came from one of the concubines who there was a whole story where they switched the con you know, in those times they had four wives. By the way, I just learned that the Yemenites still can marry four wives. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. So <laughs> if they can handle it, good luck. Um, so he also didn't realize that he was with Zilpa, who was one of the concubines, and she got pregnant and she had God, which means betrayal which was the second tribe that couldn't get in. The half, there was a half a tribe. So the half a tribe, Joseph had a wife, Joseph, the son of Rachel, right? Had a wife who was the daughter of Dina. Who was Dina? She came from Leah, so it was his half sister, right? Interesting. That was yes, that was his first wife. So Dina was raped by Shechem. You can go back to the reading all of the stories, and she had a daughter, Osnat. Osnat was the wife of Joseph, and she was also his niece. Think about this. This was interesting, how they all became interesting. Okay, but because Osnat, <laughs> because Osnat was descended from Jacob, she was half positive, and because she was also from Shechem, she was half negative. And the half negative was the half of the tribe that didn't want to go into Israel. And that's why it's two and a half tribes that didn't want to go in. So think about it. First of all, Shechem is the most negative place in Israel, and that's where Joseph is buried. That's where we need to go and pray that there's no more wars. That's where he's buried. He's buried in Shechem. It's very, you can't even go in there. Today, you can't go. We've gone a million times, and it wasn't very safe. We were a little crazy. So if you think about it, what it actually ties into the vows. It ties into keeping your word. It ties into not betraying. Because what's betrayal? Betrayal doesn't mean cheating. Betrayal can be with words. Betrayal can be, I promise you I'm going to do something and I don't do it. Because we don't, it goes to a place where we don't believe that we're important. We don't believe that our words are important. 
So whatever we say to someone, we think they take lightly, but they don't take it lightly. We don't know what they're feeling. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know how our words are affecting them, and yet we want their energy. So when we say something and we don't do it, it's almost the same weight, if not heavier, than actually cheating. Because when you cheat on someone, you've actually made a decision to cheat and you've gone through with it. Men, women, whoever. When you say something and you know why you're saying it, you know you're saying it because you want the energy and you know you're not going to do it. How many times do we do it? How many times? How many times? I'm going to call this person. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go visit her. I'm going to go. And it's not done. And then next week comes and we say it again. And it's still not done. It's a vow. It's a promise. So the person that we're promising, we're cheating on them. Why are we cheating on them? Because we're taking their energy. We're betraying them. We're pretending to be something we're not. We're pretending that we can actually do something and we're getting the energy for it, but we're not doing it. And that's why it all comes back to they couldn't, so why couldn't they go into the land of Israel? Because in Israel, have it, has everybody been to Israel here? Yes? In Israel? Huh? I've been there Okay. Israel is very high energy. All the truth comes out in Israel. Everything is in your face. There's no hiding. You can't hide in Israel. Even from yourself, you can't hide in Israel. You can't. And I mean, I know, I know that if I'm there for more than two weeks, I need to get out. And it's not about the people. It's about the land of Israel. Land of Israel is truth. You can deal with your truth, you can stay there. That's why, you know, the people say Israelis are so tough. And Israelis are very sensitive, extremely sensitive. But they're real. 90% of them are real. And they would rather sit down and have everything on the table and fight about it and scream about it and then have a party. Then, right? Then be fake. And they couldn't go into the land of Israel because of that betrayal, because of that seed of betrayal. And it's not, it's not betrayal, he didn't know, it's not betrayal that they were cheating on purpose. It wasn't betrayal that, you know, they were unhappy so they decided to cheat. It's not about that. It's they weren't honest. They weren't honest with themselves. They weren't honest with other people and they promised things. So I want you to take a couple of minutes and I want you to think, where were you not honest with yourself? Forget about everybody else around you. Where were you not honest with yourself? Where are you lying to yourself? And it can be scary. It can be scary. Where are you lying to yourself about loving the person you're with? Where are you lying to yourself about being happy? Where are you lying to yourself about, I'm okay? You know, how are you? I'm okay. Really? Where are you lying to yourself? Take a couple minutes. It's really important before Rosh Hashanah to think about that. Where are we lying to ourselves? And if you can pick, are we, yeah, pretty much. If you can pick one or two people 
to share it with. I, we can we can take it off live stream for one second if you're if you're worried about it, even though nobody can really hear you. Um, take two minutes, two minutes, and people at home take two minutes at home. And where are you lying to yourself? Talk to somebody you know, you don't know. Maybe somebody you don't know is easier because then they'll never see you again. I don't know what the list is, so yeah. To yourself. That's good. In, in northern Israel, but I want you to work on this. Where are you lying to yourself? Okay, guys, we're going to go back and live stream. Do I have three people that are willing to share? Do we have three people or two people that are willing to share? We're going to go back. We have to go back on live stream so they don't get discouraged there. Are we back? Okay. Nobody can see you. I'm not going to say your name. Is there anyone? And nobody can, under, nobody can recognize your voice for sure. So is there, a, is there anyone who is willing to share? Where they're, where they're lying to themselves. Be brave. We'll all help you. I promise. Nobody. Nobody's brave enough. Where are you lying to yourself? Start with the easiest. Saying you're happy in relationships when you're not. Good. That's really, really important. When you say you're happy in a relationship, what happens is you're promising the other person something, but you're not really there. And eventually, they feel it. If they have any kind of sensitivity, they feel it right away. So you're really sucking their energy. The minute you're not happy in a relationship, you are sucking their energy because they are putting their belief in you. They're putting their trust in you. They're putting their love in you. They're investing. And you're saying that you're happy, but you're not. So you're betraying them. 
Exactly. Exactly. It could be, and it could be any relationship too. It can be anything. You're keeping them from being happy, yet you're putting them in a prison because maybe you're afraid that you won't have something else. Or maybe you're afraid that you, but you're not happy. If, you know, I always tell people, if you don't like the person that you're with and you can't imagine being with them for the rest of your life, don't do it because they're not going to change. We don't change, they're not changing. And we can't change them. Women, all of you, listen, we cannot change them. <laughs> so you need, if you're not happy and you're still there because of your fears, because of your fear of rejection, because of your fear of whatever it is, you're stopping them too. It's a very, 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 very good one. Very good one. Anybody else? Okay. So the second portion, we read two portions this week, and it's the end of the book of, it's the end of the book of, how do you say it in English? Leviticus? Yes, yes, I think so, yes. Um, no, it's the end of the book of, uh, no, 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 Numbers. It's the end of the book of Numbers. I forgot how to say it in English for a second. It's the end of the book of Numbers. And... Um, what happens in the book, in the next book, the book of Deuteronomy? It's a compilation of everything that Moses ever said. And that's why we have this week to complete all of the good intentions that we have that we haven't accomplished. All the vows, all the promises, all the good things that we wanted to do, it's in this book. It's in this coming book that we're starting of Deuteronomy, and that's why it happens right before Rosh Hashanah, we have uh, a chance to take care of our promises. We have a chance to take care of our vows. We have a chance for a personal change. And we need to make a plan. We need to make a plan from today till Rosh Hashanah. What am I changing? One thing, don't make a list of nine that are different things. One thing, what am I changing that's going to help everybody around us? So we also discover that um, there are 42 cities, in the portion of Masay, the last portion of, of Numbers, there are 42 cities that the Israelites travel through that represent the 42-letter name, which is the Anabekoach, and that we need to be constantly, what does it mean we need to be constantly moving in our spiritual work? If we stay in the same place in our spiritual work, we haven't grown. 42 cities, and I think it's in the Passover Sidul, the, the 42 cities and the equivalent of the Anabekoch. Because there's no Zohar to Mas'eh, um, that's what we focus on. We focus on the Anabekoch, which is a meditation that you can use to help you focus during the day, during the week. And think about it. They traveled. Why do they need to travel? Think about it. The whole span, I, I think I was talking to Eliyahu and Shabbat because somebody asked me, there was a census, there was a counting of the Israelites. There were two times that they were counted. So someone asked me, how many years were between the first counting and the second counting? And Think about it, the Israelites. So after the book of Genesis, from the book of Exodus till the book, the end of the book of Numbers, it was 40 years. 
40 years. It's not a long, it's not a long time. So in this book alone, which is probably a span of maybe eight years, 10 years, they traveled to 42 cities. And they stayed there. Can you imagine moving 42 times in 10 years? A lot. And we learn, actually, in reincarnation, that every time you move, it's like going through another incarnation. Mm -hmm. It's like you're cleansing yourself and starting new. I know I've moved a million times, and I was thinking about my kids. They've also moved a lot. Um, I, it's very weird for me, these people who live in their house forever. So it's like it's like a cleansing. Yeah, I, it's like the, the American families who, yeah. No, but like these American families who like live in their house forever. I don't, it's very weird. That's so weird. But every time you move, and I'm not telling you you need to move. Does it matter if you're moving a distance or like even? No, 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 it doesn't matter. No, no. <laughs> You're home from one apartment. To another. No, if it's another apartment, like in a build in a building. Like let's say you're moving from unit. Three yes, to it's another build. Yes, it's another apartment. It's another energy. It's another. It's everything is different. Everything is different. So when we travel from one place to another, when we actually move from one place to another, if we don't move ourselves, then something will move us. If we don't choose to move ourselves spiritually something will move us. And if we think about it, if you choose to travel, if you choose to move, you're choosing to start new. You're choosing to start again. You're choosing to take everything into your power and start again. And now I want to ask you another question. If you could move right now, what would be the thing that you would want to change in your life? And don't go back to your list. What would be something that you would want to change in your life if you could move now? Think about it for a minute. And write it down or share it with somebody. Say it. You have to verbalize it. What is the one thing that you, could, that you would want to change if you could move now? Or if you're in the process of moving or whatever it is. How? Excited about, about what? No, 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 no. It's what would you want to change inside of you spiritually? Isn't that a mindset, though, that I'm changing? It's not about the moving. The moving is just the tool to get you to do something else. It's a, it's, it's a, a vehicle to get you, you know, like we use a car to get from one place to another. It's a, a vehicle to get you from one spiritual point to another. What would you want? What do you what yeah, what would you want to change about yourself? Or what would you want to change, you know, a pattern that you do if you were moving right now? So changing from a negative to a positive. Usually. If it's about the moving itself, it's not. If it's so if I wanted to move, I would like to change, like be more peaceful. Okay. That's good. And then the moving would be the tool right. for that piece. Yeah, but don't move. <laughs> you don't have to move. <laughs> I'm just asking you hypothetically. Nobody has to move. Nobody pack their bags tomorrow, please. <laughs> yeah, think about it. So it's you can take it home and think about it. So let's just go back and, and summarize what, what's happening this week. 
This week, it's about promises. This week is about not making promises you can't keep and taking care of the promises that you made that you haven't kept yet. Don't make promises you can't keep. Don't look for the energy. Don't look for the attention. Don't look for the love. Don't look for the acknowledgement. If you already want to make a promise, just do it. You don't have to verbalize it. You can verbalize it to yourself so you can manifest it, but you don't have to tell anybody else. And then when you've done it, when it's worked, when it's done, go to the person and say, this is what I did for you. They'll appreciate it much more, and they won't feel like you're betraying them if you didn't do it. Because the second thing is about betrayal. And betrayal, again, it's not just the cheating with a partner. It's not just having sex with somebody else. It's are you betraying yourself? Are you betraying someone by promising them something? And it could be in business, too. Are you betraying them by pretending you're something you're not? And if you're being betrayed, are you able not to be angry? Because anger is the third thing. Are you able to control your anger? Yeah. Are you? <laughs> we know that from Facebook. Are you, <laughs> are you able to not be angry at someone for betraying you? Because that's their thing. You know, we always say, what's the punishment of a jealous person? The jealousy. They're going to stay with their problems. If you get angry at them, you're just dragging yourself into something that has nothing to do with you. It's exactly. You're exactly. You're choosing to give someone else the control over you. Why? So, and then the last thing is to understand that the traveling, the moving, the going from place to place, the the physical action comes when we don't want to grow spiritually. Now, growing spiritually sounds gigantic, right? I want to grow spiritually. I want to be. Growing spiritually can be uh, going home and being nice to somebody when you don't feel like it. <laughs> growing spiritually means that one thing that you do all the time that you know you shouldn't be doing that bothers people around you, Stopping it, not doing it, not doing it anymore. Just being able to control yourself, being able to control your thoughts, being able to control your actions, being able to say, you know what? I did it. I made a mistake. Owning it. Not trying to defend yourself, not trying to get out of it, not trying to say, I meant to say this, and this is how it came out, and I'm a terrible communicator. No. Own it. This is what I said, this is what I meant, and this is why. And it can sound terrible. You know, I'm in a relationship that I don't, I'm not happy, I'm not happy with you, this is why I'm not happy with you. And you don't even have to say you're sorry because at that point, sorry isn't going to do anything, but to at least take the responsibility of saying, I did it. And there's a difference between saying I did it to get out of it and to stop people from, you know, criticizing you or getting your anger out at you or complaining or whatever it is, then saying, I did it, taking the responsibility and giving the other person a good feeling. And that's the last part of 
the working on ourselves spiritually, the moving, the 42 cities, the 42 letters, the Anabekoch. And use the Anabekoch this week. Yeah, it's a great tool. No. You don't have to physically go anywhere. If you can actually spiritually grow and move yourself, you don't have to go anywhere. You can stay in this chair and grow spiritually. You don't have to go anywhere. But the 42 cities represented the Anabakwach, represented the tool that you could use to help you grow. But nothing can be used as a crutch. Because I know so many people who use it as a crutch instead of as a spiritual tool. I didn't mean it. I'm working on myself spiritually. I, you know, say the Anabakwach every day. I meditate. So, who did it help today? Who around me did it help change? Who around me did I make happy? And it's usually, sorry to tell you, it starts with our family. Our family and our close friends, not the person down the street, because that's easy. Because the person down the street doesn't go to sleep with us in our house every night. But the person that goes to sleep with us in our house every night, be it our, our spouse, our brother, our sister, our parents, or whoever it is, those are the people that are in our face to help us grow. Those are the people that we take for granted, that we're complacent with, that we don't give energy to, that we betray all the time with promises. Right? We promise our kids, we promise our parents, we promise our spouses, we promise our everybody. And we don't do it because we think it's okay, it's them. They'll accept it, like they know who I am, right? So it doesn't matter. It matters for us. It matters for us because whatever comes out of our mouth is what we need to own. Whatever comes out of our mouth has weight, has value. If we have self-esteem issues, that's our problem. It's not their problem. We can't put our self-esteem issues or our not believing that what we say actually means something on them because it's a human being in front of you that you're promising something to. And you know what? It's not enough. I was reading that it's not even if you made a promise to somebody who passed away, you still need to go there and ask to be released of the promise because it's still there. Yeah. You have to go there and ask to be released of the promise because just because they passed away doesn't mean that the energy isn't there. And now you can't do anything about it because the person passed away. But you can go and on the energy level, ask them to be released of the promise. Any questions? Take a minute and think about it. If not, we are done. We're good? Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you.